Welcome to The Dollop. This is an American history podcast. Each week, I read a story from American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is about. It's true. His name's Gareth. Gary. Gareth. Gary. God, do you want to hit a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary, Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Hanford was a tiny farm town along the Columbia River in eastern Washington state. It was settled in the 1860s, and before that, the area was a popular meeting place for Native Americans. Archaeologists have found artifacts showing natives lived in the area for over 10,000 years. I guess that's why they're native. Yeah. That's a good point. I like the way you think. Thank you. Hanford streets and building locks uh, were planned out in 1907 on land purchased in 1905 by Priest's Rapid Irrigation and Power Company. In May 1913, the Chicago, Milwaukee, and St. Paul Railroad was completed to Hanford. This was a transcontinental link to the area, allowing farmers to ship large quantities of produce. This, combined with increasing produce prices, resulted in a major boom in the first two decades of the 20th century. Okay. Shit was on yeah, in I'm, Hanford. Yeah, I'm sure things will continue to be great. Why wouldn't they? Well. The U.S. Army began eyeing Hanford in 1943. That's not good. The area fit the needs of the Army's top secret project, the Manhattan Project. Oh, boy. The Manhattan Project was, of course, a research and development project that produced the first atomic bombs during World War II. A place to produce plutonium was needed. Oh, boy. Hanford was it! Oh, God. It was extremely remote, not a town larger than 1,000 people within 20 miles, and the Columbia River was a perfect source of water for cooling nuclear reactors. So... Using eminent domain, the federal government acquired the land, about 586 square miles, and told 1,500 area residents, along with an unrecorded amount of Native Americans from four different tribes, that they had 30 days to leave. Jesus. (laughs) Could you imagine? To build bombs. You're just living in your little house. All right, guys. 30 Uh, days. Got to be out. Hey, listen, that's a wrap for you guys. So, so uh, pack just, up your TPs. Go ahead and get the fuck out. Ship her out. We'll it's in the later. name of nuclear bombs, so you know it's a good oh, cause. Boo-hoo, I'm sorry. Did you live here? God, listen, Native Americans, at this point, we thought you'd get used to being fucked so much. You're really bitching. Right? This is like almost hacky what we're doing. Good Lord. I mean, yeah, this is a copy of a copy, really. The new facility would consist of 554 buildings. Uh, built by August 1945. The reactors it housed would first produce plutonium that would be used in the Trinity nuclear test at Los Alamos, New Mexico, which cost the U.S. government over a billion dollars to make. There was worry that the extremely expensive plutonium would be wasted if the bomb didn't go off in the test. What a fear. Major General Leslie Groves, who was in charge of the Manhattan Project, even had a kind of oversized catcher's mitt built out of concrete to catch the plutonium. <laughs> so he's just gonna... I can't even imagine what we're talking about. <laughs> like, what is that even? That's just a big concrete catcher's mitt. So he just, yeah, okay. And then when it, and then if the plutonium goes in there, he goes, he's out. Yeah, it's a, okay, he's out of there. Uh, but the the explosion went off as hoped. And oh, plutonium, thank God. Yeah, great, great thank story. God. Great ending to the story. Whew. Hanford also made the plutonium that was inside Fat Man, the atomic bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki on August 9, 1945. An estimated 35,000 to 40,000 people were killed, 60,000 were injured, and about 44% of the city was destroyed. Good people, us. It's cool. It's cool. Hey, listen, we called it Fat Man. You know how we always tell everyone they can't have a nuclear weapon? We're the only people that they have can't. actually used one? They can't, Dave. Okay, cool. Groovy. I'm worried about Iran having that. Oh, yeah, because they attack so many other countries. Hey, listen. Yeah. You know how many uh, You know how many countries Iran has actually offensively attacked in its history? Oh, God, the list goes on and on. Well, I mean, I was zero. listening to Benny Netanyahu the other day. It's man. Zero. 
The number is zero. Yeah, I mean, this number is zero, but still, it feels like 30. Yeah, okay. Uh, the target uh, at Nagasaki was actually inside of a valley, and it was less successful than the little boy. The, bo- the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. The cuter of the bombs, I've always said. Yeah, so. little boy. Yeah. Little boy uh, killed between 70,000 and 80,000 people, a third of the city's population, wow. injuring another 70,000, and destroyed almost 70% of the city. Perfect. So that was, that was cool. That's a good boy. Yep. It's a good boy. It's just fun. Two years later, the responsibility of manufacturing nuclear weapons came under civilian control. General Electric was awarded the first contract. The federal It would be gov- great if that was a guy in the army. I'm General Electric. <laughs> and he always had... Stand like, down! Did you ever see the Electric Cowboy, the Robert Redford movie? No. Well, there was, he like comes out riding and he's... And, and he's got lights all over his outfit. Uh-huh. But that would be cool if that's a General Electric was. Yeah. Is it General yeah. that just had like lights all over him? Yeah. yeah. He's riding like he's riding a horse with Christmas lights on it. <laughs> <laughs> the federal government ordered the production of plutonium to be ramped up at the Hanford site. Hey, thank God for that. In 1947, two more nuclear reactors were installed, and by 1963 there were a total of nine working. I don't like where we're headed. Why? It's not good. What could go wrong? Maybe this is just a great story about how things worked out. And I think, well, okay. I think, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. In 43 years, Hanford site produced 65% of the plutonium installed in the United States 60,000 weapon arsenal. All the while reactors were running, the facility was creating an overwhelming amount of radioactive waste. Cool. Including... It's easy to get rid of. That's one thing we've noticed including tanseranic waste, which is highly radioactive. The process of creating plutonium is extremely inefficient, and a lot of waste, both solid and liquid, results from it. The solid waste that was produced came in the form of used and broken equipment, as well as contaminated materials such as workers' clothing and tools. Nice. The production of plutonium not only used thousands of gallons of water and fuel that needed to be disposed of properly— it also produced a toxic sludge that was highly radioactive and dangerous. The waste contaminated materials that were radio radiotoxic. The waste contained materials that were radiotoxic, meaning that they can be biologically harmful because they are so radioactive. Shocking. Some of this waste has been recorded as giving off more than 10,000 rems per hour which would be lethal to anyone standing three feet away from the material. If only for a few minutes. Oh, God. Exposure to the lower level radioactive material can lead to diseases like cancer and genetic damage and stuff like that. Oh, so that's more long-y stuff. Oh, that's nice. At first, workers disposed of the liquid waste, the water and the sludge, by pouring it on the grounds. This practice stopped after a few months when they realized that it was contaminating that it was contaminating the groundwater and soil. Hey, hey Bob. Yeah. Uh you know how we're just pouring this radioactive waste into the ground? Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. I think it's getting radioactive waste into the ground. Now that you mention it, I have been yeah. pissing neon. So I think if we if we just keep pouring radioactive waste onto the ground, then right. the ground will become radioactive. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know where I'm going? Yeah, then things will be good. Okay. Let's get this waste pouring. The practice was stopped, (laughs) but they only stopped dumping the highly radioactive materials. Water used to cool the reactors and other types of low-level radioactive waste would still be tossed on the ground until... Baby steps. Until... Oh, boy. 1997. Oh, Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck, fuck. In, I'm going to say until 1997. Ugh. Hey, hey, Gareth. Yeah. Did I mention until 1997? Yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's coming across pretty clearly. Okay. Because before 1997, how could anybody know? Well, I mean, look, we didn't have access to facts. No, there was no there was no research on nuclear anything. No, you didn't think nuclear. No, we didn't think it was bad to have nuclear anything. anything. No, there was no indication of that at all. No. It's just like bathwater. You pour it out on the ground. Well, look, we weren't there when we dropped the bombs on Naga, you know, Nagasaki. We didn't see the actual impact. Thank you. Yeah. I also never saw Silkwood. And I didn't go to th- the Three Mile Island movie, the China. So, the, you know, it takes a while. China Syndrome, I didn't see any of that. It takes a while. 
I used to think it was good for you, like cigarettes. I can't read books. No, no, You want me no. to be reading books and learning about what I'm doing? No. That's not how this works. It's the 90s, man. Now, as far as the sludge went, instead of just dumping the sludge on the ground, they began burying it. The most radioactive waste that was produced was pumped into large underground tanks. Smaller batches, batches of the dreaded tanzeranic waste were collected in cardboard boxes, placed onto trucks that were protected by iron pans called gunk catchers. Oh, so they're like clinical. And... <laughs> Fucking gunk catchers. Was a two-year-old naming it? Gunk catching. Oh, that's a good one, Bill. Uh, and they were buried in trenches near the site. Smart. What could go wrong? That practice would go on until the early 1950s. Around this time, multiple fires occurred at the facility, mostly at the burial sites. We can assume that not only did these blazes occur because of the waste itself, which can self-combust, and they're also quite large. Now, this is an assumption uh, we make because there are documents in existence that note these incidents and have been made public. Many records documenting the shipment of waste to the burial grounds are still classified or have been destroyed, including all documents for a burial ground that held the most dangerous, hazardous waste. Cool. No reason for it to be classified. No. Until you hear one Other, word. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think you know. I think I know why they classify that shit. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Mr. Big Baby. I don't like America. Excuse me. I don't. Well, if you don't like this story, you hate America. Uh, well, then guess what? <laughs> In 1953, research started at all labs at Hanford that involved high-level radiochemical operations, which resulted in the most hazardous waste ever to be produced on the site. Site monitors were so concerned by how radioactive the waste was that they recommended a new disposal system. Instead of cardboard boxes and gunk catchers. <laughs> well, what, what was wrong with that plan? Hey, hey, I, I got an idea. Why don't we do this like we're not four-year-olds? What? Yeah, I think we should do... You know, we, you know, every day you're like, hey, when you go to the grocery store, get some boxes? Yeah. I think we shouldn't dispose of the radioactive waste that way. I agree. That's why we got the gunk catchers. Yeah, but okay, those are just like silver pans called gunk catchers. Yeah, it's catchy. Okay, it works. We're gonna, okay, we're going to try something different. All right. You want to hear the new plan? Yeah. We're gonna, the waste from the research will be collected in five to six gallon aluminum p- milk pails. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna seal these pails up and place them in underground containers... I'm going to cover those with sand and concrete. Oh, well, as long as sand is covering them. Woo! You had me worried for a second that we were going to do something competent. No, it's, yeah, we're just doing something different and stupid. Okay, cool. Monitors noticed that the areas where the pails were buried were getting hotter. So workers began putting the pails inside aluminum casks with lead interiors that were then dropped down bottomless concrete tubes installed in the burial grounds. Bottomless concrete tubes. I mean, I don't think they're bottomless, but they're pretty deep. They're not bottomless, no. but they're fucking far. I do like how we really don't give a fuck about inside of the earth. Never really have. No, we don't care about like the we earth don't mind at all. like injecting whatever the fuck it is into earth or right. just dropping barrels of nuclear waste yeah. on bottomless pits, no, which have bottoms. Whatever. It, there's a hole. Put some in it. It's hey, bad. listen, listen. You, know you sound like Comstock. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, dude. Wait. You know what I'm talking about? Fucking. I don't know. The majority of the waste that was produced at Hanford, an estimated 525 million gallons. Oh, (laughs) boy. (laughs) Fuck. Was high-level tank waste, which had to be pumped into large underground steel containers. There are currently a total of 177 tanks. Good. 149 of them are single-shell carbon steel tanks built from 1943 to 1964. What the fuck? What? That's terrible. These were built with life expectations of 20 years. Oh, my God. What are you, <laughs> you, the one thing you don't want to hear on that is life expectation. I love that. You want to hear immortal. I love that something that has a half-life of millions of years or whatever it is, and they put it in things... 
20 have years. a life of 20 years. Like, what were they thinking? People were going to dig it up and then... They must have been like 75 when they did it. They're like, well, I won't be working here It anymore. won't matter. 20 years, I'll be in the ground oh, like this nuclear waste. I retire in 18 years, so uh, this will be, be fine. fine. It'll be fine. The first tank leak was confirmed in 1959, which is well below the 20 years. Yeah. Besides solid and liquid waste, the reprocessing plants also routinely routinely released radioactive isotopes from their gigantic stacks, which were blown downwind into nearby populations. In some instances, extremely large quantities of radionuclides were released into the air intentionally while the Air Force attempted a two-day green run in 1949. A green run? Oh, a green run. Green runs are when batches of uranium are processed before they have cooled for 83 to 100 days. They're still, quote, green at that point. And the one time it was tried at Hanford with materials that had only cooled for 16 days, between 5,000 and 12,000 curies of radionuclides were released into the air. What's the rush? Mostly iodine-131, which causes thyroid disease and cancer. Oh, good. What? But what's the rush? Why do they have to... Well, you ever heard the phrase, get her done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that phrase has been great to America. <laughs> done wonders for comedy. <laughs> I think that's what we're talking about here. Oh, uh, yeah. No, this definitely sounds like a comedy. I don't know the reason why they would have... I mean, maybe, maybe they just had to create a bunch really fast. But still, it's like, how can you be so cavalier with like, with, with nuclear, like with glowing <laughs> shit? Uh, you're not fun. No, I'm not fun. Have you? <laughs> have you ever seen the movie um, Modern Problems with uh, Chevy Chase? He gets covered by some radioactive waste. Oh, and he just gets power with Goldie Hawn. Yeah, he yeah. Just gets like he drives like, behind a truck and like nuclear waste spills yeah. on him, and then he becomes. Yeah, he just. What gets, does he become? He he can like make funny stuff happen. I don't know if funny happened, but he can make stuff happen with his mind. Like he gives her orgasms by just standing there. Oh, okay. He oh, can move stuff around with. His oh, mind. I didn't realize that the upside to this was that a an SNL alum could move shit with his eyes. I think that happens. Well, let's see what happens at the end of the story. I'm but, excited, but I'm betting that's where this goes. Cool, 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 cool. The public, of course, knew nothing about the releases, and if people didn't start getting sick, they might have never known. According to a Department of Energy study, as many as 2 million people were exposed to radiation through the release of these isotopes. And the fallout, 2 million people. Did I mention 2 million people? Yeah. And the fallout reached as far as Montana and even Canada. Sorry, Canada! All right, you're, hey, listen, you knew the deal when you moved next door, Canada. We like to fucking rage. You know what? You don't want to move. You don't want to party. Don't move next to, to a party house. Sorry, you know what guys. I'm saying? You fucking you park next to a frat house. That's right, bitch. And we fucking keep shit on all the time. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Sorry about the radioactive material, bro. Oh, and the Atomic Energy Act of 1854 freed private companies work on nuclear weaponry from independent oversight. Okay. Can, I, I just want to... I just want to go over that for a minute. Sure. So in 1954, they were contracting out all this work instead of the government doing it themselves. And then they just said that there's going to be no independent oversight. So you guys do whatever you want. But that's the best way to do it. I think like when police police themselves, that always is the safest way to handle shit. Whatever you want. Yep. What could go wrong? Listen, it's just nuclear material. We're trusting you to trust you. You know what? You guys know how bad this shit is. You're not going to do anything wrong. You guys get it? You're not going to cut corners. No. Right? It's nuclear material. No, not even for just like a minimal profit game I mean, in the short term. What stupid asshole would cut corners? Bingo. Here? Maybe the stupid asshole who thought that a 20-year shelf life for something that lasts for fucking ever would be fine inside of it should be noted that direct exposure isn't needed for isotopes to affect humans as they can enter the food chain through grazing animals. Like Phew, for a second I thought we were going to be left out. Cows and sheep. Don't eat me. Which eat contaminated grass. So what's cool is that then then that's not just the people who are in that area. It was also all the people who ate the meat. It's the, the circle. <laughs> the circle of life. 
The isotopes also contaminated fish in the Columbia River, which thereby exposed multiple Native American communities in the area that live on fish-heavy diets. How Do you think there's any way for Native Americans to thank us? <laughs> like, it feels like we keep stepping up for them, and we've never really gotten an official, like, we appreciate it, or just like I agree. A, a little note I agree. or something. How about a nod? How yeah. about... What you guys have done for us is yeah. unexpected. Well, keep in mind, before we got here, they were just like... Animals. Yeah. Running around Eating, with hardly and there any was, clothes on. Yeah, and money really wasn't a huge factor no to them. No money. I like, mean, they didn't what have the fuck? valueless paper. And... They believed that a, a tribe, no one in a tribe could own something. It's something the tribe had. It belonged to everybody. <laughs> okay, stop. And that land could, and that land could actually be possessed by a, by a person. <laughs> Like, no one could own land? What a bunch of fucking assholes. How much of a nightmare would the, would the world be if there wasn't actual, actually personal ownership and and if you couldn't own land, if the I'll, land was the land? I'll say what every other race thinks daily. Mm -hmm. Thank God for Whitey. Thank you. You said it out loud. Oh. Over the years, thousands of residents that were downwind from the nuclear reservation, later nicknamed downwinders by local media. Cool. <laughs> How did they come up with it? Hey, I'm a downwinder. Uh, they were diagnosed with thyroid disease and cancer, and several children were born handicapped. There were so many victims, and the issues were so visible in communities like Spokane, that a movement was started to push the government to investigate whether or not the Hanford site was to blame. In 1986, the feds succumbed to public pressure and declassified 19,000 documents regarding the release and dis disposal of radioactive waste. And people were like, cardboard, what? Yeah, yeah. The following year, the Department of Energy started the Hanford Environmental Dose Reconstruction Project, the HEDR, which was given the congressional congressionally mandated task of studying whether or not the release of isotopes into the air were to blame for thousands of cases of thyroid disease in the area. I, I love how it needs to be fucking studied. I, know, I mean, it's that just... It, that it has to be proven. But they do, but the, it's the whole thing. It's always just the same. Just buying fucking time. Buying time. They're just buying time always. to fuck you more. Whenever there's contamination Cigarettes, and cancer, they're just buying Climate time. change, yes. this shit. Always buying time, waiting for people to die. Yeah. The final results, results were, released, were released twice. The first time they were announced... In 1999, with the Department of Energy heading the study. 99? So but that's good. Yeah. So the stu that's good. The, the people the people who did it should be the ones who, who do the study, right? That's the best way to handle I it. I think so. I think that who could do a better job than the people who poured the, the radioactive waste into the They know the dirt. it best. Yeah. They're not going to say something. They're not going to lie to save their own no. ass. Oh, no fucking way. Never. Uh the That study was not well received. The study was then given over to... Battelle, a Hanford contractor, who released their results in 2002. Both rounds of results found that there was no connection between the release of radio... That was close. I was worried for a second that there might be. ...at Hanford and those suffering from thyroid disease nearby. No independent study was needed. No, you don't need one. We have Why the would Why would you Two need different studies study? done by the same people? Yeah, come on. Everything's good here. Although, another government study from 1990 had found that Hanford's releases did put local population at risk for thyroid disease. How did our science get worse? Uh, so, so, so nine years before, they didn't realize they had already put out a report saying yeah. that it fucked everybody. That same year, a massive 2,000 litigant civil suit was filed against the Department of Energy. At the time, the plaintiff's lawyers were looking to settle for $500 million. The government responded by indemnifying all private contractors at Hanford, thereby clearing them of responsibility, ensuring that they would be safe from litigation. So the fucking assholes, these private corporations who just fucked everybody, destroyed the land, and then, and then gave people cancer, they just get a free ride. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, not only that, They'll fucking send the attack dogs on the sick on the yeah. people they fucked. The feds would then go on to spend six hundred million on defending itself in court. Okay, so six did I say six sixty million. 60 okay, million. never mind. Sixty, but still sixty million. It's a lot. That's it's a crazy. lot of fucking. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. 
Since then, a small number of the original 2,000 cases have been heard, starting in 2005 when six bellwether cases were brought to trial. The jury awarded a total of $545,000 to two plaintiffs suffering from thyroid cancer, but the other four were denied judgments. In 2011, a jury heard the cases of another 139 patients and ended up awarding them all about $800,000 in total. Or... In total? $5,683 per oh plaintiff. Oh, my God. How's your cancer? Five grand for cancer. How's your cancer? You know what? It's just cancer. Oh, yeah. In 18, nine, 1987, Hanford shut down its last reactor processing weapon-grade plutonium. The rest of the reactors had already been shut down back in the 60s and 70s. Two years later, the Department of Energy, the EPA, and the Washington State Department of Ecology... The EPA. ...began the framework for what would be the world's largest environmental cleanup. Among its goals is to restore the Columbia River corridor for other uses and to set up on-site facilities for waste treatment and storage. Since then, the cleanup has cost the federal government $2 billion a year, uh, $40 billion in total. So what, I mean, it's just so counterproductive. A 2014 report updated that the total costs are $113.6 billion, with most of the cleanup work scheduled to be completed by 2060. Oh, my God. $113 billion. I mean... It's fine. And you can't spare some fucking money for these people. <laughs> the cost of the cleanup, though astronomically high, is not shocking when taken into account that the total number of radioactive waste stored at Hanford, which includes 25, cubic, 25 million cubic feet of solid waste and 270 billion gallons of contaminated water. You can't even imagine how much water that is. No. What do you do? I mean, what you, the that's fuck? That's unimaginable. Yeah. Hartford is now the most contaminated nuclear site in the United States. I mean, I guess Chernobyl is probably a little bit worse. Yeah, yeah, fair. The biggest challenge in the cleanup is dealing with tank waste, though much of it is already gone. Of the over 500 gallons of this high-level waste that was produced by Hanford, only 56 million gallons remain in the tanks today. Over the years, the total has been reduced by 90% through evaporation, chemical treatment, leakage, and purposeful discharge into the ground. Oh, as long as we've gotten rid of it in a healthy way. An estimated, Evaporation's my favorite. Rain! An estimated 130 million gallons of tank waste were sunk at... I gotta read this. An estimated 130 gallons of tank waste were sucked out of the tanks and discharged into the dirt to make room for more waste. Oh, fucking <laughs> A, dude. What the fuck? Jesus Christ, I get, I just, oh God, I mean, it, like, when I used to work, when I used to work construction on houses and I would see a dude, like, pour paint somewhere he shouldn't, I'd be like, are you out of your mind? That's, that's the stupidest thing I've ever read. Yeah. (laughs) That's the stupidest thing I've ever read. They needed to throw it out, but they didn't have any more tanks, so they just took the old shit and dumped it in the ground and put the new shit... Like, that made a fucking difference. Does anybody know the half-life of radi- the radioactive waste? Uh, we do. There was a guy, a friend of mine in college, was got a job cleaning out asbestos from places, oh. and the guys he worked with were so dumb that they would just, up in the attic, take down their mask and start smoking a cigarette. And he'd be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I need to fucking smoke. This shit, this shit isn't real. Don't worry, it's fireproof. I could smoke around it. Jesus Christ. Much of the tank waste has been relocated from the leaky single-cell tanks to a newer double-shelled one. You know, double-shell double isn't shell also, uh, isn't really that comforting. Double-shell it. Two shells. Awesome. Though almost three million gallons of liquid waste still remain in the old tanks. Good. In 2012, the Department of Energy reported that one of the double-shelled tanks had a leak in the inner shell. That's okay, though. That's why we got two. That's why there's the double, the double thing. The following year, the Department of Energy announced that the tank was actually leaking 150 to 300 gallons of waste into the ground per year. Ah, they might want to really just come to their conclusions faster. When Washington State Governor Jay Inslee went to the Department of Energy to discuss solutions for 
the following week, he learned that it wasn't just one tank, it was six. Cool, so and the plot doesn't thicken. Another 13 were ready for leaking. Oh, man, I'm so glad we put two shells on them. <laughs> that was the way to go. Most of the waste that has been leaked from the tanks appears to just stay in the soil where it was dumped. Oh. But as of 2008, one million gallons of the radioactive liquid that had entered the groundwater had created an underground plume that was making its way towards the Columbia River, the fourth largest river in the United States of America. Underground plume is always a good thing to hear. It doesn't sound good, right? It feels good. It makes me feel good like double shell. Yeah. If the cleanup doesn't proceed as scheduled, the plume could reach the river in 12 to 50 years. That 12 number is a little scary. Yeah. The 50 years is better. The 12 one's frightening. They're both terrible. It's like they we're say in a 12... fucking... It's like we're sprinting to yeah. end it all. We, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like we... we. It used to be... Like, I was thinking about this the other day when I was cutting up... Uh, like, you know, when you have like a six-pack and you cut up the plastic so that you don't kill fish or whatever. Yeah. Or birds. Yeah. That's... I mean, you should still do that, but... I mean, does it really fucking matter at this point? I mean, we we fucked it all up anyway. I mean, what, you know, what the fuck? I'm an animal rights activist, and I'm seriously just like, does it matter? Aren't you doing them a little bit of a favor by strangling them? They hire you to clean birds after an oil spill, and you're the guy they arrest for just choking them? Yeah. Well, they're better off! Yeah, yeah. They're better off, aren't they? I'm like, kind of. I mean, you do make a good point. Jesus Christ. Uh, It's going to be a real whodunit when mankind's done. It really is. It's going to be like Clue. How did this happen? A vitrification plant, which which would be used to turn the waste into glass tubes that are stable and could be buried safely, has been in the works since 1991. And it was originally supposed to be completed by 1999. So, for whatever process, you can take the radioactive waste and turn it into glass, and then it's not harmful. Re- uh, not that, harmful at all. Yeah, that's what they're saying. That's that's it's it's stable, and then it can be buried safely, and it's not gonna it's not gonna like leak or go anywhere. It's gonna be a, a thing that isn't a problem. Then you can dispose of it without right. worrying about it. Well, I'm glad we're not doing that. Well, that has become difficult because construction actually didn't begin until the year 2000. Good. Supposed to be completed by 1999. Yeah, well, let's not move on that. And it was later learned that the Department of Energy and Bechtel, the company contracted to build the plant for $4.3 billion, decided to save money. I love it already. <laughs> you got to cut corners with this shit. Pocket some for yourself. By starting construction before a process for the plant to build, vitrify waste had been designed and tested so wait so they're building a plant that they don't know how the plant's gonna work but that's the plant they're building it (laughs) it would be like right now building a plant for time machines Uh uh-huh and just starting to build it yeah and figuring it would all work itself out timing is everything in this business baby Hanford's waste is unlike any other material that has ever been vitrified. It comes in so many different types and forms that not one, not just one process will work. But the project went forward anyway without even the basic problem having been solved. Perfect. We're building a plant to do something that we don't know how it'll do. But it's going to cost $4 billion. $4.3 billion. Man, that sums up America so fucking well. Yeah, that's pretty good. One of the first systems of the plant that was completed was the waste feed which was how the material moved through the facility to be processed so so that's how you're getting the material into yeah. the plant to be processed by the plant and turned into glass sure so tubes but inspections found that solid waste was building up in the piping which could not only clog the pipes but it could create nuclear explosions oh <laughs> great Further testing found that the system used to propel the waste through the pipes was not only inefficient, it was so taxing on the pipes that it resulted in corrosion and possible leakage. So now the plant that's supposed to be there to turn the radioactive material into a stable form is now having a bomb center. (laughs) Further testing. Oh, when the, 
when these issues were revealed, the chief engineer on the project resigned. Whistleblower complaints were also brought against Bechtel by a higher-up engineer and a safety manager who said their concerns about safety at the plant were being suppressed. As it now stands, the vitrification plant is expected to cost $12.7 billion Good. and is mandated to start operating in 2019. Jesus Christ. I mean, just take your fucking time. Good I lo- God! I love there's no. I love breaking you. I think I broke you. In nineteen, 19- <laughs> don't take pride in this shit. <laughs> nineteen fifty-seven, Washington State formed the Washington Public Power Supply System to provide power to local utilities. It would later be known as Whoops. Okay. Um, I'm guessing that stands for the Washington Housing of <laughs> Operational Plutonium. State. Because of its financial gamble on nuclear power, it issued $2.25 billion in bonds back in the 1970s to pay for the construction of five nuclear power plants and had a default on the bonds, which was the largest bond default in history at that time. Only one of those five power plants was completed, and it currently runs today. The Columbia Generation Generating System, CGS, which sits on... The Hanford site. Critics say it's the most costly nuclear plant to run in the nation. It has also generated about 320,000 spent nuclear fuel rods that are so dangerous that just minutes of explosion near them can be lethal. The waste created by CGS is about 150 to 250% more radioactive than what is being currently held in the underground tanks. Well, that's good that we're kind of racing the underground with above ground with what we're doing. Well, why stop doing it? I would say that's a fair point. Yep, thank you. If, As, it, if it's broke, keep doing it. Keep doing it and do it worse. Yeah, I think that's is the, the best slogan. way to do it, yeah. As would be expected at a job site that deals with, with extremely dangerous materials and operates without any independent oversight, working conditions at the Hanford site are quite hazardous. What? There are no documents on exposures before 1987, but even that late into the site's existence, workers reported the effects of harmful radiation exposure, nosebleeds, headaches, watery eyes, burning skin, etc., just from smelling vapors while near the underground tanks. Many of these workers have reported long-term disabilities. So they just smell shit when they're near underground tanks. Yes. Yeah. It, it honestly, it reminds, like, it's a lot like um, the, like, oil spills. Like when oil spills, yeah. like there's a lot of people in the Gulf who, oh yeah, like they, I mean, there's some circumstances where people come into contact with water yeah. and are forever different. Yeah, <laughs> like it, there's they have skin conditions, they get cancer from yeah. just touching fucking water. Yeah, good times are had by all. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. Site workers who have been employed by other nuclear facilities reported that the safety requirements at at Hanford are seriously less stringent. Wait, at Hanford? Yeah. What? Yeah, Hanford. Sounds crazy. For example, workers at Hanford are only required to wear one uh, uh, device to detect radiation, while at other nuclear sites, employees wear two or more. Because, you know, in case one doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the reason for that. Well, I think that's Because machines sometimes don't work. Little. That's our double casing theory of men. Uh-huh. The site was so reckless when it came to worker safety that one former Hanford reporter worker reported that his break room was in an area that was so contaminated that he needed to suit up to enter it. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, how like What are you sitting up for? Are you going out? Nah, just gonna go get some Fritos. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be careful. Uh, I mean, how do you, like, how are you staying there as an employee? Oh, God. How does anyone work there? People are so poor. They don't I have I understand that they're poor. But they just, they just, like, they have kids and they're like, I have to fucking put a house over their head. And if I die in 20 years because of cancer, just, then that's what happens. Uh, I mean, that's Arby's, the choice. Arby's is always hiring. But that's not enough money to survive on. Like, but, the people have to, people who do these jobs have to put their life on the line possibly die probably die early so that their kids can go to a decent school or have a house over their head and they're not starving to death i mean that's the choice they're making don't don't get all 
I love America. Since World War II, hundreds of thousands of former employees of the Department of Energy-run nuclear sites developed disabling or fatal illnesses. So many people who worked with nuclear weapons were stricken with horrible health issues that the government was called in to help. One of the last things you President... You trust your government. One of the last things President Bill Clinton did before he left office was sign an executive order called the Emergency Employees Occupational Illness Compensation Program Act. It created a program that provides money to individuals who worked in nuclear weapon production or certain survivors of those individuals that contracted specific illnesses as determined by the government. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. He did, he did a good thing. Clinton, I can't wait to see. Clinton did a good thing. Okay. And then can I guess? They could get a lump sum of $150,000. Does it still stand today? Well, it wasn't the Clinton administration that would be creating and running the program. That responsibility would fall fucking, to the George W. Bush fucking administration. Fucking knew it. <laughs> fucking asshole. In 2001, the program began accepting applications in two parts. Subtitle B, which served sufferers of radiation-related illnesses run by the Department of Labor. And Subtitle D, which was the Toxin Exposure Fund overseen by the Department of Energy. The ones who made everyone sick in the first place. Yeah, well, listen, they're going to be honest. When Bush came into office, he named Spencer Abraham as his first secretary of energy. Let me guess. It was fortuitous for Abraham. Before then, he was a Michigan senator, but it just lost his reelection to a second term. Abraham was typical of Bush's choices for cabinet members. He was a dedicated Republican who had absolutely no background in science. As a matter of fact, as a senator, he once called for dismantling the Department of Energy. Oh, that's perfect. That's that's exactly who you want fucking running up. Robert Kennedy Jr. would later describe the Department of Energy under Abraham as being more interested in serving big energy contribu- contributors from the oil and coal industry specifically and from the nuclear energy industry than serving the public interest. A year after the program kicked off, Abraham was quoted saying about it, quote, employees of the Department of Energy crack contractors have performed important work for their country. Even though they may have worked for a government contractor, these dedicated individuals are our workers and we are going to take care of them. Mm -hmm. But that did not happen. No, because he had his fingers crossed behind his back. The program has been running for less than three years before the, the GAO was called in to investigate the poor handling of claims and resulting reports showed that the Department of Energy's involvement was clearly hindering it. Out of 24,000 applications to the Department of Energy, oh boy, <clears throat> only 769 have been processed. Oh my God. That's 3%. Ugh. Of the 769 claims processed, only 10 had been paid. Oh my God. Well, it sounds like the Bush administration for you. 10 out of 24,000. Perfect. The good news is we were able to go into Iraq. <laughs> yeah, and allow the allow the the f- fucking drillers in the Gulf Coast to destroy everything. Yeah. Another uh, another uh, let's not interfere with what they're doing and let them self-police themselves. Yeah. Well, no, that's the thing. I mean, that that's always the best thing. It is such a Republican talking point. Yeah, no, it's really good. Just like, it's this free market. Let them do it. The Department of Energy's management of the program was so lackluster that, except in a few states, it hadn't even determined what state programs to use so that the claimants could get their money. Oh, good. A representative told the Senate that doing so was not the D- Department of Energy's responsibility. Who? I mean... Uh, go ahead. Without a way to pay out the majority of them, the GAO found that 50% of claims would go unpaid and that many applicants would die before they would receive money. So that's just their own private grim research that's being like, we can wait them out, they'll die. Well, that's what they're trying to do, right? Yeah. Despite the lack of payouts, the Department of Energy still managed to spend $95 million over four years processing the claims. Good. They, Good. they fucking processed 10. They, they processed they, 10. Over, they processed they, 769. They paid out 10. 769 claims led to $95 million. So wouldn't it just be easier... To give them the to money? To just give them the fucking money and no, then because, have money left over. Because all those people needed jobs. Oh, good. In 2004, the Senate realized that in order to fix these issues, instead of trying to reform the Department of Energy, it needed to just take the program's responsibilities away. 
Subtitle E of the EEOICPA was created, which provided for up to $250,000 to workers exposed to toxins and would be run by the Department of Labor. As of 2015, 46,158 claims have been approved and almost $3.5 billion have been paid out. In total, the Department of Labor has provided over $11 billion in compensation and medical bill payments to 105,000 former nuclear workers. Okay. So one, one department was doing its job. Yeah. As for Abraham, 2004 was also the year he resigned as Secretary of Energy. Before leaving, he managed to get the ball rolling on the MOX plant project in South Carolina. When running, the plant would turn several tons of weapons-grade plutonium the U.S. still had from 17,000 retired nuclear bombs into reactor fuel for other nuclear facilities. The Department of Energy broke ground on the project in 2007 and is still nowhere close to being completed. The construction budget ballooned from $4.9 billion to $7.7 billion in 2013, and there are predictions it would cost $20 billion. Among reasons the project is moving so slowly, they can't find people to do the work. Why? Isn't that weird? Yeah, why? It's, it's, it is strange that if you fuck people over and let them die in horrible ways that other people won't want to do that job. It seems weird because it's it does an attractive position. It I does. It seems like a good, good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know why either. I might do it. It's, it's weird that it's weird that someone would be that short sighted that people who are interested in money would be that. Dave, we both watched the same documentary. You can move things with your eyes. If this goes wrong, <laughs> Goldie Hawn will be there. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> David Hobson, a former Republican congressman who investigated plans for the plant, said that the project appeared to be a present in the form of jobs for Bush ally Governor Mark Sanford to help him his reelection efforts. But Hobson also said that the plant is supposed to be a big boon for the nuclear industry if it wasn't for the fact that no one wants to buy the fuel. They have yet to find any customers. Yeah. Especially after the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Oh, by the way, which cleanup has just been mwah, it's very, been, it's very, very good. There, there, they, there, they put they put stuff into tanks that immediately start leaking. And what I think is great is that what they've done in Japan has actually maybe made us seem a little bit uh, less dumb, <laughs> which is sweet of them. As for the company that's building the Mox plant, Francis Arriva, aka the largest nuclear company in the world. Abraham was appointed as the chairman of the board, non-executive of the American arm of the company, just two years after he resigned from the Department of Energy. That's good. That's good. That I was getting worried, but that's good to hear. Fires still break out on the Hanford site. That's good. The last major one occurred in 1999 and ended up burning 40, 45% of the nuclear reservation. Oh, cool. That's awesome. As of 2014, 67 of the single-shelled tanks holding tank waste were recorded to have leaked millions of toxic gallons gallons of toxic waste. Sorry, we still have single-shelled? Yeah. Okay, good. good, good, good. They're still there holding the... I guess that's the problem with the bottomless waste. pit theory. That's well, good. those are the tanks. You're talking about the um, the milk uh, canisters. Those are different. Oh, good. I don't think those are leaking. Those are great. Yeah, they have two. Well, well, you wouldn't know they were leaking because they're in a bottomless hole. Yeah, that's part of the fun too, right? We just put it in Earth's mouth. Put it lower. Yeah, just drop it where it's totally out of mind. Uh, cool, man. That's well, awesome. That's gonna be great. So everyone, look for the news of a radiation plume hitting the Columbia River and destroying America's fourth largest river. But well, Dave, for that. we can afford it. We don't need water. Yeah, you're right. No, that's fine. Point. We got plenty it's of water. It's just water. Yeah, it's just water. You know, and I mean, I wonder how fucked. many people got through that one. <laughs> that one's a bummer. Well, we're fucked. I honestly like. Yeah, we are fucked. More and more, it's just it's the writing is on the wall. Yep. Uh, the uh, the the like two episodes ago of Vice. I mean, they're t- just the polar ice caps and the yeah. the glacier situation is. Yeah. Like it's, it's fucked. We'd almost root for nuclear waste to fucking take us out. I almost, I almost want to be the fucking dude who got uh, embalmed and just traveled around the country. God. Anyway, man. Um, right, so have a good day. You want to plug Hothead again, or yeah, I'm doing hot. <laughs> Feel good. It's about when I get um, irradiated. <laughs> That's. Crazy.
It's going to be a good show. <laughs> Ugh, uh, I feel terrible. Oh, man. I'm going to check Twitter and feel better. A guy sent me an email today about this. Let me see if I can pull it up. About what? Okay, so this guy, Kevin Jones in San Francisco, did all the... Wait, are you still recording? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I put it down. A guy in uh, San Francisco did all the recording of this for me. And um, he, uh, I mean, did all the research. Yeah. He yeah, he doesn't do the recording. He He's from up near there. And he said, a quick aside, my dad told me the last time we talked that he used to find rocks of yellow cake uranium on the ground outside of one of the research buildings in the 300 area. Now, yellow cake uranium is the stuff we went to war with Iraq over, saying that they had yellow cake uranium. He used to just see it sitting on the ground. You know, at some point, America should really invade America. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good end. Okay, bye. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Uh, Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.